something happening here But it is Ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware Think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Bad lines being drawn Nobody's right If everybody's wrong Young people speaking their minds Getting so much resistance From behind Think it's time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Welcome back, my friends, to the second hour of tonight's very special Perspectives on America. For all practical purposes, we're calling it Perspectives on Perspectives. I'm your host and commentator for the hour, Jeffrey Bennett. You're listening to this program live. We are making a difference. We are reaching out to a far larger audience than many of us ever could have envisioned. This is how we take America back. Our music throughout the course of this two-hour program tonight, all by Steve Voss, are opening a course for what it's worth, uh, which I believe was originally made famous by Buffalo Springfield. I could be wrong, but we give it a shot. I want to open this hour with um, uh, a quotation that we closed the last hour with and understand the basis of this two-hour program tonight is sharing with you columns that I personally have written for the Federal Observer and other publications over the course of the last eight or nine years. And we find that that no matter what the name of the so-called president is or which power or which party is in power in Congress, whether it's the Democrats, the Republicans, etc., we find that no matter whether the issue is is uh, religion, whether it's health, whether it's schools, whether it's financial issues, whether it's gun-related issues or anything else, things don't change all that much. We find that all these years later, it's pretty much the status quo, and the American public is fast asleep. I hope they're having a good time, a good roll in the hay with Rip Van Winkle, because one day Rip Van Winkle will awaken, and I pray to God that America awakens right along with him. I shared with you at the closing of the last hour to read your history, my friends, to study it, to get to know every nuance of what has happened to people of any nation whose rights and freedoms were revoked by a tyrannical government. In April of 1960, as John Fitzgerald Kennedy was campaigning for the presidency, he stated, by calling attention to a well-regulated militia, the security of the nation and the right of each citizen to keep and bear arms, our founding fathers recognized the essentially the, the essential civilian nature of our economy. Although it is extremely unlikely that the fears of governmental tyranny, which gave rise to the Second Amendment, will ever be a major danger to our nation, 
The amendment still remains an important declaration of our basic civilian-military relationships in which every citizen, every citizen must be ready to participate in the defense of this country. For that reason, I believe the Second Amendment will always be important. Socialists, maybe? Yes, my friends, they are. Each of those who continue to call for gun control have been completely brainwashed by the Marxist socialist. My government can do anything for us while caring for us and protecting us and feeding us mentality. Why have I learned to love them? Because without them and their way of looking through rose, red, of course, colored glasses, I would have nothing to write or comment about besides BS, humanistic, I, me, we, how I feel issues. And for that, oops, <laughs> I might have to imbibe a couple of Smith and Wesson Brothers cough drops. This column was published and written well into the night on the morning of October 27th, 2002. I closed by stating in future columns we would consider the real meaning of the Second Amendment, the so-called right to keep and bear arms amendment. As for now, it was time to end my rambling for that night. It was after four in the morning. And if you find any typos in the article, I'll fix them tomorrow, for after all, tomorrow is another day. Oh, fiddle-dee-dee. Second Amendment issues have died off for now, my friends, but they will never stay that far out of the picture. There are those like McCarthy, Carolyn. There are those like Charles Schumer that would like nothing better. There are those like a Barack Hussein Obama who would like nothing better than to disarm the American public from so-called assault type weapons to handguns to Red Ryder BB guns. They do not wish us to be armed, my friends. So much easier to control a docile public who has no need. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. You know, it was interesting to me I, I how this whole program began as I was doing some research. I was looking for something in my own personal archives and came across a series of these old columns of mine and and began to read a few of them. And it's something I don't do. I don't go back and review my old work, per se. But something made me stop and read several columns, one column in particular. And the more I went into it, the more I found these things were of interest because they show us that um, the problems remain the same. More people need to jump into these fights. More people need to become specifically aware of issues. Today, as we record, the biggest issue is the socialist government's attempt and demands and desires to cram this health care issue down our throat. This is not about health care. It never was. It has to do with control of an industry. Now, I don't think that government has got any right controlling any specific industry. 
if the government wants to go out and put their own health care insurance plan avail- uh, together and make it available to people to subscribe to, I think that's fine. That's They can do that. But to stick there, because because that, that free market, that enterprise, or that competition will begin to bring down the prices of the other ones. But to have a government tell me where and how and under what circumstances I am able to receive health care is something I want them out of. And in the background, they're building up the case for amnesty once again for the millions upon millions of illegal immigrants we have in this country, all most of whom are driving up the cost of living for Americans across the board. From... And I don't know why this is working out this well. This particular column was written, uh, that which I'm about to share with you, December 15th of 2004. Now, keep in mind, George W. Bush was still the president of this country. Very few people had ever heard of a Barack Hussein Obama. The column is entitled, A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words, they say. Oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby, oh. Short, sweet, to the point. As the title states, a picture is worth a thousand words. Welcome, my friends, to the world of MTV and desperate housewives. We live in a visual world today, one of little substance Women bearing their breasts in church in order to raise awareness for breast cancer. Welcome, my friends, to the debauchery of Rome. Fast cars, loud, heart-stopping, boom-boom rap is crap music, along with very loose women and sodomites. If these elements are not part of America's daily diet, then there is no America. A column once run on the Federal Observer by the self-proclaimed dynamite redhead pretty much hits the nail on the head. I, at that time, encouraged my readers to read it, but why does it have to be so? I'm sure that we as a nation are losing our hearing, just as we have lost our ability to see the beauty around us or to smell the coffee or the roses, etc., etc., We have to have our daily dose of sex, drugs prescribed or otherwise. Oh, let's not forget rock and roll. And, of course, if we're a professional baseball player, well, we just get a little extra. Our public fool system, which passes for an education system, just can't seem to get it right. So we have graduating high school and college kids who can't read write or get a job unless they want to relocate to Pyongyang. All these kids can do is watch loud videos, reality television shows, and more nonsensical, overpriced, high-action sports, whether it's live or on the television. And if you thunk that the small chuck on my pewter ain't working right, don't worry, I'm doing this on purpose to make a never mind. But the real point we're trying to make here is that doesn't anybody read any longer? Don't they know how? Am I amongst the last of a dying breed? 
My friends, since the inception of the Federal Observer in July of 2001, we had a statistics program in order to monitor readership of our columns. Oh, don't re- worry. It doesn't tell me who you are or anything like that. That's Tommy the Commie Ridge's department or whoever his replacement has been several times over. <laughs> in studying our statistics over the past year or so, I find there are days when this publication draws in excess of 20,000 hits per day. And for what? The damn graphics, that's what. Ever notice that when you go to the other sites, such as World Snot Daily or New Smells or Ethereal Zone or What Never Happened and the like, that they have few, if any, pictures or graphics? I guess maybe there are some readers out there somewhere, but after they've been to the other sites, I guess they come to us for the pictures. In that manner, they can learn the true meaning of the news columns, which they have read elsewhere. Well, I guess it just goes to show that you can't break out of prison and into society all on the same day. And let's face it, Kwanzaa's only nine months away. Now, I'll be out of town on business for the next few days. I'll return on Sunday night, so the Federal Observer won't be getting any updates until then. So while I'm away, you children be real good now. Wash your face, brush your teeth, pick up your rooms, and I'll leave plenty of pictures in the archives for you to look at. And maybe then after Mommy and Daddy get home, you'll have an understanding of life in America today. If not, well, just try to get some new pictures up for you next week. Maybe I should just start putting up a Babe of the Week feature. Oh, that'll be sure to titillate and shake up the boobs out there. Maybe even some pop-out ads. What about those? How about some scratch and sniff? Oh, and one final thing, if you really want to read something special, allow me to recommend a really neat book. Yeah, it's full of sex and drugs and murder and incest and corruption and, oh, yeah, a whole lot more. Kind of thing that Americans love. It's better than reality TV. It's called the Holy Bible. Till the next time, we'll see you at the movies. I'll be back. Ain't going nowhere. Little Ecclesiastics, if you don't mind. See, the reason for the previous column we've just shared with you had to do with the fact that Americans really don't read any longer. They've got to have the pictures or the video image, and and whether it's in music or art or anything else. Uh, it's amazing to me, my son, who rarely uses a computer anymore because he's got this little tiny thing called a telephone. If I got to email him, he seems to get it on the on the phone. He texts me back a comment or a response or whatever the case may be. 
He can't write. His penmanship is atrocious. Thank God my daughter at least picked up something from her father, something that's legible to be read. But uh, it is amazing. And so America progresses. The column I'm about to share with you was dated in October of 2003. And it was entitled Progression. Some of the items that are mentioned in here certainly have a degree of historical significance for some of you. You'll recall some of the things we're about to bring up in this column. The progression of the period of October 12th through the 18th of 2003 was to me an abject lesson from which we can all learn some lessons. First of all, for those who were not aware at that time, political activist Rick Stanley had been arrested in Colorado for standing up for not only his constitutional rights, but for the rights of millions of people across this nation. Secondly, and I would say the prime reason for that which I'm about to share with you, is one gives thanks for the little battles which one participates in and seemingly wins. What I share with you now is a series of emails which were exchanged with a new reader to the Federal Observer back then. And I want you to, not only, my friends, listen to the content of these emails and what we share, but notice how things begin to, as in the words of the song, turn, turn, turn. I received this email at 1 o'clock or 1.07 p.m., from a reader on October the 18th, 2003. He states, Your organization is a tribute to idiocy, lunacy, and about the most hypocritical piece of doo-doo I've seen since your god Rush went into hiding because of his self-induced drug dependency. You are liars, deceitful mongrels, and looking up at respectability from the gutter. You, your kind, and all the rest of you idiots seeking a village or a collective lower form of life. You may be best described as a virus. Your collective gene pool could not fill the head of a pin. You belong right alongside Hitler and Mussolini, Nazis and fascists to the core. Do you deny this? Didn't think so. Each and every one of you is, is a disservice to the United States of America. Do any of you take showers? Please leave this country. You are certainly unnecessary and definitely unwanted. Shut up. Go away, please. Worst, J.D. Well, on top of a series of other challenges during that week, this particular email blew me out the back door. What the heck was getting under this guy's craw? So at 129, I sent him an email stating... If this email was meant for me, first of all, Rush Limbaugh is not my God. Secondly, it is you and your ilk who have been blinded by the one-sided reporting which comes out of the controlled media. What the Federal Observer has provided is the other side of the news, something you've obviously not been privy to in your sheltered life. If you suspect that we're doing a disservice to this country, then you had better read your history not the one being crammed down your throat by this modern education system. Finally, I'll be surprised if this email even reaches you. Normally, folks who send emails of the type, which you have sent, never use a real return address, cloaking themselves instead in the security of the darkness of idiocy. Signed, Editor. Well, needless to say, I never expected to hear from this guy again. I was waiting for the proverbial undeliverable mail kickback from Outlook Express, but minutes later, 
At 1.41 p.m., I received this note. Surprise! Jeff, the cloak of security in the darkness of idiocy is, at least in this case, a myth. The only thing dark about this is the web of views you hold. Oh, I got your mail, and I'm happy to respond to people like you. You publish unsupported, non-factual, inflammatory rubbish. The other side, as you call it, is trash. The only thing I see crammed down my throat is your type of ridiculous rhetoric. Signed once again, worst, J.D., worst being the opposite of best. Well, my friends, as I've stated in previous columns, what the Federal Observer has always attempted to do is provide alternative thoughts and opinions to those generally published or vocalized by the controlled mainstream media, the mouthpieces of the elite. And therefore, at 1.51, just 10 minutes later, I responded to J.D. once more by stating, glad to see that you do exist. My question of you is this. What specifically are you speaking of? A single article or column or the entirety of the 6,500-plus columns and articles which have been posted within this site since July of 2001? The Federal Observer was the basis for a petition for what was eventually signed into law by President Bush. What do you say to that? Signed editor. Well, my friends, I knew this would not be the end of the exchange, but I was providing short responses to the writer rather than rather the writer's rather evasive generalized comments, hoping to draw a more direct response from him. Bingo! At 2.29 p.m., October the 18th, 2003, his response states thusly, Thank you. My reaction had to do with a small piece regarding Strom Thurmond and the Clintons. Maybe true, maybe humor. While I have not, and most probably will not, go through the 6,500-plus columns, etc., that have been posted, the article in question got my goat, kind of like the goat that has haunted the Cubs for darn near a century. Well, now the guy's getting a little satirical. However, he said, the other pieces all had a similar ring. I have a healthy respect for governmental, societal, and educational processes. I grew up probably before you in an educational system that was admittedly better than it may be at this point. I lived through the years of the Vietnam conflict. I still believe that we were wrong in that one. But I was not one of those who treated our soldiers with disrespect when they returned. I see a presidential presence that is repeating those mistakes made several decades ago. I feel strongly that Saddam needed to be wrenched from power. However, I also feel that it was done in the wrong way and that proprietary economic interests of some of the involved U.S. governmental parties were served. Bush had some of the highest poll ratings ever reached by a president after the September 11th tragedy, but he's managed to squander that hard-to-get national unity and alienated our traditional, and I include France at risk, allies to boot. As I'm obviously newly familiar to your site, I respectfully ask, what petition is it to which you refer? Signed, Better, J.D. As Louis Armstrong stated in the 1956 film High Society, Now we get in warm. October 19th, 9.06 a.m., I responded to, the, to J.D. by stating, Well, 
This has been a series of emails that has shown that we are far more similar than different. Thank you for your actions when I returned from Vietnam, although when I returned, I expected nothing and have moved forward with my life. I, too, knew that it was wrong, just as I feel that this nation's present actions are wrong. The money wheels keep turning for the rich and infamous while our sons and daughters die. Our education system is in total disarray today, teaching students to be good little soldiers of the state, allowing no challenges to learn truth, instead concentrating on feelings and teaching the socialist way. I'm in the midst of a lengthy series of programs right now teaching the history of this process, a history that began well over a hundred years ago with the likes of Horace Mann and John Dewey. Watch, my friend. Within a few short years, our schools will no longer issue certificates of graduation, but certificates of achievement. We cannot look down on those who didn't advance. We'll let the state take care of them. And as for Junior Bush... He's accomplished exactly what he has always accomplished. Failure at everything he has ever done. Read his history. It's deplorable. Anyone who would be involved in trading away Sammy Sosa to the Cubs is an idiot. And let that get your goat. <laughs> it's like I spent much of my youth in the southeastern corridor of Wisconsin and northeastern section of Chicago. My mother's always been a Cubs fan, but not I. Frankly, I have little time for sports today. Baseball died for me when the Milwaukee Braves moved to Atlanta, basketball when Bob Cousy retired, and football when Vince Lombardi died. The problem with the majority of this nation who choose to remain inactive in our governmental process is that they also choose to wait until next year. Most folks in this nation feel that they have done their duty once they've punched out their chads, whereupon they go back to sleep with Rip Van Winkle, awakening once again four to six years later only to find that things have worsened and that those whom they cast their ballot for have sold out and more nails have been driven into the proverbial coffin. As for our petition, my friend, it was the Federal Observer, which three days after 9-11 posted the original petition to rearm the commercial airline pilots in this nation. With the continued efforts of the Airline Pilot Security Alliance, 460-some days later, it was signed into law. And although the above-mentioned column, which, by the way, for you listening today, the column was entitled, It's a Good Day to Die. And I continued my notice to the, to the writer. Although the above-mentioned column was only one of several legs in the process before the final signing, it will give you a good idea of our involvement the sad thing is that the new law was tagged to Homeland Security, which probably would not have passed without the pilot provision, but has been tampered with by TSA ever since. Talk about a quasi-governmental agency setting themselves up above the law. Well, my friends, we're going to uh, go to a quick break. Stay with us. We'll conclude with this letter when we return. Right here on the Micro Effect... Paint the room in shades of green Makes it easy to explain away their lies Rationalize Blur distinctions and they make excuses Nothing changes what the truth is Wrong's not right 
friends, to the final segment of this Friday's Perspectives on America. Jeff Bennett here, behind the mic, getting me to wrap up this two-hour segment. I hope that you've enjoyed some of these columns of ours from the past. I hope that maybe you've picked some things up from them. I find them interesting to review. I don't often go back and read these things. There's one column I have to continue to go back to refer to. But this has been an interesting education for myself, just watching the progress, and in some cases, lack thereof. Before the break, I was sharing with you in a, a, a series of email exchanges that I had had with a individual who'd come to the Federal Observer and took major offense to a particular column we'd posted. My final response to him uh, basically states, thanks for having taken the time to comment. By the way, as relates to the piece which originally offended you, we have posted similar columns in relation to both political parties. None of these folks are sacred to us. They're all having one big party for which we are paying for without the hats and whistles. We're not even invited to attend. Thanks again, signed editor. Now, I close the column by stating it's now 10.09 a.m., in sunny Arizona, where on that day it was expected to top 100 degrees in the bottom half of October. And I had yet to receive a response from the reader. But, as I stated, it was less than an hour, so we'll give it some time. If a response is received, we'll post it in the column as correspondence continues. In the meantime, and by the way, I never did get another response from the gentleman. Uh, That seemed to resolve it, and it just, bang, that was it. But I went on to say that the point of that column was that we, the people, purportedly of sound mind and body, spend far too much time sweating the small stuff and arguing over it. And because of it, we win a few skirmishes, yet go on to lose the battles, and in fact, the war, our very reason for being. The time has come for each of us to park the rhetoric, or should I call it what it is, BS, and get about the business of finding our common ground and acting upon it. The series of emails which I've just shared with you demonstrate that through dialogue, each of us can find the way to civility to resolve our differences. Whether we claim to be Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, or Independent, a Christian, or a Jew, conservative, or a liberal, I believe we can all realize that there is common ground for each of us to find. The screaming and the shouting must come to an end, my friends, if we are to survive as a civilization. And now on to a couple of old friends. And I'm not quite sure what that meant. That's the way we concluded that particular column. Now, I shared with you earlier that time allowing, I would refer you back to, that I would attempt to share this column with you called It's a Good Day to Die. It was a lengthy column. I don't believe we're going to have the time. One of the very earlier columns that I penned or was involved with co-writing to some degree. I lifted a lot of pieces from various different places to put this all together. 
One of the earliest columns that I penned for the Federal Observer back in the early years, and just so you have a history, the Federal Observer, which could be found at www.federalobserver.com, was born on July the 22nd, 2001, just weeks before the devastation on 9-11. Nobody had ever heard of us. Nobody knew what we were. It was designed to be an augmentation of the of this radio program, which at that time was still broadcasting on shortwave radio, on worldwide Christian radio, etc. And maybe some other time we'll pull that column out. You could probably do a Google search if you care to read it. It's called, It's a Good Day to Die by myself, Jeffrey Bennett. I suspect it'll pop up. If not, you'd like to read a copy of it, send me an email, jeff at Federal Observer. I'll be happy to send it to you. I think, if nothing else, for those of you who are unfamiliar with myself or this broadcast or what I stand for or what I believe in, that article will give you a lot of background as to who we are and what we are and what we stand for. Yes, I know I come on this network and this program many nights and I get somewhat satirical. I can get a little bit loose with the mouth. I can broadcast via innuendo. There are those out there who don't care for it. That's their problem, not mine. And so I go back to a response. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, another letter that I received years ago signed from a right-wing conspirator. Now, this, well, basically, I was the right-winger, but this would have been in response initially to somebody lambasting us for things we were talking about on the air, very similar to the email that I just shared with you from uh, J.D. The column was entitled, It's More Than Opinion. Rebuttal from a right-wing conspirator. Dated January 1, 2002. For many of us broadcasting on the alternative media, we have remained hard-hitting on issues which we believe are highly pertinent in our day and time. These issues include education, property rights, tyranny by government, government out of the control of the people, moral decay and rot, tax and sovereignty issues, a deeper drift into socialism, the breakup of the family, protection of children and families, treason in the high places of our government, cover-ups and conspiracies within the government itself, in addition to a sundry of other choice subjects. Predictably, many of us have been accused of being anti-government. And in response to those accusations, I must say, to the best of our ability, we are reporting the truth. Are the people making these claims against us, listening to us, and to our programs on a regular basis, do they take a serious look at what we are reporting Is the information confirmable from other sources? If what we are speaking of or reporting on is true, is it a matter of concern to our detractors? 
The people who broadcast, for the most part, on the alternative media or speak out all across this great land are, for the most part, volunteers. It's a lot of hard work. There's not a one of us. And ladies and gentlemen, please understand, I wrote this column on January the 1st, 2002. The micro effect did not exist. It was not even a figmentation of Joe McNeil's mind. It wasn't even there. It wasn't even a gleam. But understand what has changed here. For there is not a single one of us who would be doing this job if we weren't concerned and held the belief that in some minuscule way we might be able to reverse the downhill slide of this wonderful nation and restore its former austerity before God and before the world. We're not anti-government. This couldn't be further from the truth. We are, however, anti-corrupt government. Each of us stands for the intent of the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, and all of the amendments thereof. As for me, I spent four and a half years in the military service of this nation, two of which were spent in Vietnam in an unpopular and unholy police action. However, I swore to uphold the Constitution and guard it from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And when I left the service in January of 1970, it did not mean that my obligation to this nation had ended. Any American out there that doesn't believe that we have serious corruption in government today need to get their head out of their sandbox and look around with the disintegration of the family in this nation, problems relating to the abuse of children, juvenile, adult crime, and many more woes will increase instead of decrease, my friends. Sow to the wind. Reap the whirlwind. With these thoughts in mind, Kettle Moraine, through its programming, website, the several other websites, our writings, we dedicate ourselves to exercising those rights bestowed upon us by our Constitution. Freedom of the press. Freedom of speech. And if need be, freedom of the right to keep and bear arms in case we need them. And therefore, we hope that in the end, what we do shall be constructive and will lead to a better world in which future generations will live. And to the Republic, which must always stand. I'll be back in a few moments with some final comments. Bye. 
Susie Voss. Will you be among the patriots? It is righteous that I should do this program this evening using the words of Steve Voss. Steve's music has been a part of my program for almost since the very inception. Steve continues to remain active in the music business. Maybe not in the vein that so many of us knew him in the early years, but I understand why he's doing what he's doing, and I I miss seeing him, miss talking with him. Oh, he and I butted heads a couple of times, but I've continued to probably push and promote his music more than any other broadcaster out there. We've taken this time this evening to share with you a wide range of comments that I have penned over the last seven or eight years, maybe nine years, I guess. Maybe some of these comments have given you some ideas. Maybe they've stripped away the nonsense. Maybe they've angered you because you realize that after all these years, how much has really changed. I can't afford to lay down and stop fighting. While I was sharing this piece of music with you from Steve, I received an email from a friend, a listener, long-time listener, And even though it has no direct association with what we've done here tonight, maybe in a roundabout way it does. He says, years ago, when I sometimes used unsavory language, I often used the expression, bull poop, BS for short. As I grew up a bit and discovered it was not necessary to use such crude language, that expression became BS. What did I really mean when I used those expressions? I meant that something was ridiculous or idiotic or a half-truth or just plain stupid. It covered any number of negative formats. Dictionary defines it as nonsense, especially foolish, insolent talk. But I've decided that I no longer will use either of those expressions in the future. When I need to express such feelings, I will use the word... Pelosi. Let me use it in a sentence. Oh, that's just a bunch of Pelosi. I encourage you to do the same. It's such a nasty-sounding word. It really packs a punch. We're no longer being vulgar, and it clearly expresses our feelings. If enough of it use it, perhaps the word could be entered into the dictionary. When on a ranch, watch your step and don't step in Pelosi. It'll get on the bottom of your boot and won't go away until next election. What a fitting and descriptive legacy for the Speaker of the House. Pass it on to at least 10 million people. Do not break the chain or you'll get more Pelosi than you can shake a bull at. P.S. Bet you when this new word reaches D.C., the Pelosi will really hit the fan. (laughs) I realize that Someday, many years from now, when somebody 
listens to a rebroadcast of this program or finds it in a, 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 a what do you call those things, a, a, a time box or whatever, they're going to say, what in a doozy is a Pelosi? Or maybe it'll be a big word. Uh, what the flock? That's a bunch of birds, folks. I want to close this program by sharing with you the words from Marcus Tilius Cicero, Roman statesman, orator, and philosopher. He once stated that a nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known and he carries his banners openly, but the traitor moves among those within the gate freely. His sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears no traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their garments and he appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown into the night to undermine the pillars of a city. He infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to be feared. My friends, thank you for allowing me to share these thoughts and these comments with you on this day. Stay tuned to the Micro Effect for more tremendous programming this evening. And until the good Lord sees fit to bring us together again, without apology, I am Jeffrey Bennett.
handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Charles de Gaulle once said, actually, it's difficult to envision in this regard any other criterion, any other standard than gold. Yes, gold, which does not change in nature, which can be made into either bars, ingots, or coins, which has no nationality, and which is considered in all places and all times the immutable and judiciary value par excellence. So when the question is, why gold? It's simple, my friends. The answer to that question is simply, why not? Like it or not, precious metals will always be the world's reserve currency, even though nations do not define their currency by their worth and say gold. Individuals still buy gold and silver to protect themselves from inflation. The more money a nation's central bank pours into the economy, the less value its currency, the dollar is, which means the price of everything else rises. $21 up for a bag of dog food, seeing that the dollar is cheap. That's why the cost of everything goes up. It's because the buying power, the value of the dollar is tanked. It's worth nothing. And yet gold that your family would have owned in 1907 will buy at least the same amount of goods, if not far more. William McPhee once stated, it's extraordinary how many emotional storms one may weather in safety if one is ballasted with ever so little gold. The truth about money, gold versus cash in the crisis. Gold, a valuable thing to store. The power of gold in times of crisis. Historical sketch of paper currency. Oh, and beware the Ides of Rare Coin Dealers and Alan Greenspan's speech on gold and economic freedom. How interesting. I'm going to give you gold and silver in five easy lessons. Seeking out the most efficient and most secure route to owning gold and converting it into widely accepted currency is the next best thing to enjoying gold-backed currency, my friends. In a world of central bankers hell-bent on devaluing our savings, you need to own private gold standard. Contact me, Jeffrey Bennett at Kettle Moraine Limited, by calling our phone number at 602-799-8214. That's 602-799-8214. Health Simple with Colorado Shilji. Fact bit number one. What goes in must come out. Whatever we ingest, breathe in, or transfer by contact must be expelled. Expelled directly as burned calories, through perspiration, respiration, or expelled via urinary and gastric channels. Every element that is not properly used or removed by our bodies become toxins. And toxins, as we know, are causal to every disease and ailment. Toxins are what makes us subpar, unable to be at our best. Be your healthy best by cleansing your body of daily and deeply embedded toxins. Live stronger, and we hope live longer. Shilajit, legit Shilajit, that is, like Colorado Shilajit, is perhaps the greatest homeopathic whole body remover of toxins made by Mother Earth. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. 
hemppaste.com slash rbn. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash rbn. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 